This podcast is proudly brought to you by Sky Racing and Ingress, number one in its field. Jason Coyle's career was at the crossroads a few years ago when Nathan Tinkler's Patanak Racing Empire collapsed. Jason and John Thompson had been in charge of a huge number of horses at two stables and both were left to pick up the threads of their careers. Jason and John have succeeded in rebuilding their respective training operations and both have been training their share of winners. Jason Coyle has 45 horses in work at Warwick Farm and he places them very judiciously. If they're good enough to win in town, they'll race in town. If they need to be at Nowra, that's where they'll be. Jason has come a long way from those early days in Newcastle where he had four rented boxes for four very ordinary horses. Jason, it's a funny thing. I think all trainers need a few slow ones before they really appreciate a good one. Yeah, no doubt about that, John. Um, I, I think all owners and all trainers need a few slow ones to really appreciate those horses that can gallop. Um, it, it, they definitely bring you back to earth and make you realise how hard um, racing in general is. You grew up at South Granville in Sydney, which is hardly horse country. Your dad, Peter, had no background at all other than enjoying a little punt. Your mother, Robin, had no interest in racing whatsoever. So what fired the spark in the young bloke? Um, it was a sick day, sick day off school. Uh, <laughs> I had nothing to do and was annoying my, uh, my dad through the day uh, for something to do so he switched the uh, switched the radio on gave me a paper and told me to select a few horses and uh, so I sat down and listened to the races for the day and uh, I guess the rest is history. Yeah it certainly is well your interest in racing just continued to build right through your teen years and one day you plucked up enough courage to approach a very high profile trainer about a job yeah, I uh, decided that um, watching from the other side of the fence uh, it was enough. I, I wanted to get a little bit more hands-on, so I walked into the uh, Gay Waterhouse yard at um, at Kensington there. Mm. Um, saw a gentleman called Pat Sexton and asked him uh, if he was looking for somebody to start working there. Mm. And so it happened. So it happened. He said, uh, what experience have you, have you got? And I said, none. He said, uh We'll start uh, start tomorrow morning then. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you saw Gay or the first thing she ever said to young Jason Coyle? I can't really remember the first thing she ever said to me, but uh, working for a trainer of that calibre, obviously, um, a little bit starstruck to start with. Yeah. Um, but she's, she's, she's a lovely lady. She's done a, a great deal for racing and she's, uh, she's very accommodating with all the staff. Um once you've been there a while, um, you know, she just becomes part of the team. You work for three other very distinguished trainers by the same token, and you must have been like a big sponge at that stage of your life, soaking up knowledge. I think you have to be when you're, you're working for the likes of Waterhouse, Size, Payne, O'Shea. Um, you know, they're heavyweights in racing, um, across the world. I mean, David Payne from South Africa, obviously, a lot of success there. Um, so not to take something on board, um, yeah, you obviously, you probably short-lived your career in the industry. Mm. 
Jason, if I had to pick a trainer who comes across as a, a likely tutor, it would be David Payne. I'll be very surprised if he wasn't a man uh, to teach and to pass on his knowledge uh, in the most unobtrusive way. Yeah, I'd agree 100% with that. He was uh, the last trainer I worked for before I made the decision to start training. Um, he was able to leave you with you know, enough responsibility to to really learn from, you know, probably your own mistakes um, as well as, you know, his mistakes. Uh, we all mm. we all don't get it right 100% of the time. So the more you do slightly wrong, the more you can correct and, and improve on it. So he, he was a great man to work for and, and just a, a legend as, as a trainer. Well, finally, you bit the bullet and you got your own trainer's licence you couldn't get stables in Sydney. You tried hard enough. So off to Newcastle you go. Who came to your rescue there? Um, well, to start with, I guess we had a, a couple of mates that decided to jump into horses. So that was uh, at least something coming into the back pocket. Mm. Uh, but the, the jockey club up there were fantastic. They uh, they were accommodating. They, they uh, gave us a few boxes there um, to start up. Uh, David Payne sold me a horse for, for a minimal sum that had broken down and uh, yeah. we put those horses on a truck and uh, started up at Newcastle oh, some <laughs> 12 years ago. Now, Jason, years. that minimal sum you're talking about was a token payment of $1 just to make it official, just to make it a fair dinkum transaction. You took this broken down old thing out of the David Payne stables for one dollar, and this is where people knew you were a very good trainer in the making. You won two races with him. His name was up for grabs. Yeah, that's correct. He was a uh, obviously always going to be a bit of a, bit of a favourite. Um, from memory, he was a, a nice yearling purchase uh, by David by Zabil. Mm. Um, he'd unfortunately. Uh, ruptured a tendon or, or something like that at the time from memory mm. and uh, like you said a token payment of a dollar um we rehabilitated him and uh we're lucky enough to knock over a couple of races with him yeah one of them was at Musselbrook in august 2005 and the jockey is absolutely flying at the moment andrew gibbons and then four runs later you won a 2100 meter class one at wyong with scott pollard on board yeah, that's right. It, uh, from memory, it, it was a, it was a, it might have even been a class record or something like that. So to take home <laughs> a, an old horse like him and yeah. you know getting back to full health and having winning races with um, you know Andrew Gibbons helped us out there when we first started and and like you said, he's absolutely flying at this stage. He's just been a, a force up in those around that area for a very long time. Mm. Um, and it was nice to get Scott Pollard winning a race on him as well. He'd done a lot of work. Um, for David Payne while I was there at the stable. Uh, he wrote a lot of track work for David and mm. he also wrote in a lot of races for David, especially around the provincial circuit. So yeah. we, we were sort of quite close at the time and it was really good to put him on board and, and get a win with Scott on board. Mm. Well, you pushed on uh, after up for grabs. You started to gather a bit of momentum and you were winning races all over those northern tracks and suddenly – you got a luncheon invitation from a bloke called Nathan Tinkler. Now, 
you were recommended to Nathan, I think, by a veterinary surgeon. Yep, that's correct. Uh, one of the one of the vets at Newcastle Equine um, did all my vet work up there, and he uh, he was up uh, worming horses up at uh, the Tinkler's property up at Serene Lodge there, mm. um, and they were looking for for a trainer at Newcastle. Um, probably outside the box a little bit, obviously somebody a little bit younger, yeah. just to take a few horses and. Uh, you know, give that younger trainer a bit of a chance, and, and luckily, lucky enough, uh, that vet recommended me. Right now, he put some horses in your Newcastle stables to start with. Yeah, that's right. We sort of went from probably working eight horses at the time uh, on average to all of a sudden we we're sort of near that, you know, fifteen to twenty mark, which was, mm. you know, for a trainer just starting out and, and trying to build a stable, that was uh, that was massive to double your numbers. Mm. Well, how long was it before he shifted you down to Warwick Farm and suddenly there were horses hanging off the rafters? Yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, probably, probably, you know, somewhere around that nine to 12 month, 12 month mark, we, we'd had horses for him and all of a sudden he'd, he'd gone on a bit of a spending spree and had horses everywhere. So um, as it turned out, Anthony Cummings had obviously decided not to move move himself out to Warwick Farm and take over his team and we sat down at lunch one day and Nathan uh, offered me the job to go down there and do it. Mm. And Jason, what young trainer wouldn't have accepted that offer? No, I don't think there'd be uh, I don't think there'd be anyone you you get an opportunity to deal with some of the thoroughbreds with the best pedigrees and mm. high price yearlings and you know compared to the stock that we were trying to build with um I just think it's an it's an easy yes, isn't it? Oh yeah. Well, in the first year at Warwick Farm under the Paternak banner, you actually won two Group 1s in the Paternak colours. One of them was a horse called One More, No More. That was the Champagne Stakes, Peter Robel up. And you went to Brisbane to win the TJ Smith at Eagle Farm with Linky Dink. Again, I think Peter Robel was in the saddle. Yeah, Peter was stable jockey at the time. Uh, he did a great job for... Nathan and myself at the time, he, he rode plenty of work there at Warwick Farm and, you know, gave us good guide as to how horses were going and, and where we should go with them. So it was a it was a good team at the time. Uh, one more, no more. Obviously, it'll always, always hold a, a place with me as far as, um, you know, that's you don't come across Group 1s very often. And first year, a Group 1 two-year-old was massive. He'd, he'd been building towards it, but to actually, you know, knock, knock that sort of race off, it's... Mm. It, it was wonderful. It was a great day at the races. Well, the whole Paternak adventure lasted about 18 months and it disintegrated as quickly as it started. Now, what were the ramifications for young Jason Coyle? When the smoke had cleared and the dust had settled, where were you? We, uh, once the dust had settled, um, we'd uh, leased a few boxes off... Um, Steve Engelbrecht at Warwick Farm, and we were back to a stable of six. Mm, goodness me, from what a hundred? Yeah, we were probably uh, probably working between yeah eighty and a hundred horses, and mm. then once John Thompson come on board, we sort of cut that in half, and he, he looked after half the team. I looked after the other half, and then obviously once John took over the mm. um, Patnack Farm, um, we just uh, shifted off course off course there at Warwick Farm, and. Mm. Uh, kicked off again with, uh, like I said, I think we had about eight horses in work. Yeah. 
Must have knocked the wind right out of your sails, Jason. Yeah, look, it's really deflating, um, but it's 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 a nice life learning exercise. You know, you know nothing is going to last forever. You just um, you know dust yourself off and uh, off you go again. Mm-hmm. Well, after the announcement of the Patanak collapse, you still had a few of his horses in training and blow me down, uh, out you go and win the Breeders' Plate with one of them. Yeah, that's right. It was uh, actually one of the horses that I was uh, – he was always going to give me a couple of horses just to continue on with, Nathan, and uh, I was desperate to keep this horse. He was going well at the time, and I just thought he was the type that could easily get to the races as a two-year-old and perform well. And mm. like you said, um, we took him to the Breeders, Blake Shin on board. Yeah. Um, and it was really, you know, once again, it was, it was a real satisfying day to be able to continue on from where we left off, uh, despite not having the, the numbers that um, we'd had, you know, a yeah. couple of months earlier. And what was his name again, that Breeders' Plate winner? Uh, Run for Wilson. Run for Wilson, yep. Well, you've already used the old words from the old song. You had to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and start all over again. You certainly did, and you've reached a, a point uh, of which you're entitled to be very, very proud because you've had a steady flow of winners ever since. And just going back over a few of your favourites, Jason, Berry Delicious was a nice horse for you. Five wins and a stack of placings. Yeah, lovely mare um, from a couple of lovely people up in Queensland, um, Stephen Lorraine Middledorp. Uh, happy enough to support me with a few horses over the last few years. Um, she was a really good mare, loved the soft track. And mm. from memory, I'm not sure if we ever had her stakes placed, but if we didn't, we, we were very unlucky uh, not to get her stakes placed. Uh, I think she's currently a, a brood mare now, but obviously fond memories of winning a few races for, for yeah. lovely people. You loved Scream Machine, won five or six races and had a real soft spot for Rose Hill. I think Scream Machine won four races at the Hill and a Wagga Cup. Yeah, that's right. Uh, once again, you know, it's easy to lo- enjoy horses that are winning races, but uh, he was a son of excites, uh, not the most fashionable stallion in the world, and I've always enjoyed, you know, taking those unfashionable horses and, and performing well with them. Um, Wagga Cup was, was particularly good. Uh, you know, country cups and country racing for me, I, it's one of my favourite times is to get away to, to those country carnivals and, and you know take live chances down there and be able to be able to win races. So it was great uh, to win a Wagga Cup down there. Mm. Um, and he actually performed particularly well up in Queensland from memory in a in a Doomben ten thousand or something like that. And mm. probably he, he didn't get a run in a Stradbroke, but he was going that well at the time that I, I reckon he might have given it a shake. So um, mm. no, really nice horse. And once again, um, you know, supported by a a really nice owner in uh, Jason Glush. Mm. Insensata has been a useful mare, won five or six and a fair bit of prize money, has won two in town and uh, struck a very hot Newcastle Newmarket field the other day. They ran a track record for crying out loud. Yeah, that's right. She's uh, she reminds me a little bit of Berry Delicious. She's a she's a good, honest mare who deserves a stakes win or should uh, you know, at least a couple of stakes placings. Um, probably not quite right up to the top level of of mares, but I'm sure, given the right circumstances, she can sort of win a race um, at that stakes level. Run into a really good field up at Newcastle, and um, maybe it's one of those uh, learn from your mistakes because I, I think that national sprint today isn't quite as uh, 
quite mm. as strong. And despite a wide gate, I, I think she would have been competitive today. So yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, lovely mare, and and hopefully we can convert for the owners soon. Jason, if it makes you feel any better, there wouldn't be a trainer alive, trotting trainers included, who haven't pulled the wrong rein from time to time. Yeah, that, no, I agree 100%. Um, you know, <laughs> you can't foresee the future and, um, you know, you've just got to make those decisions um, gut-related and say, all right, this is what we're doing. If it, if it pans out, you're a genius. If uh, yeah. it doesn't quite pan out, you, you definitely look like a mug sometimes, but that's the <laughs> game we play. You must have been very pleased with Sal Sonic's run behind Dream Force in the Liverpool City Cup, ran third. It was fantastic. It's um, he's only won the two races. Uh, one of them just happened to be a Group Two Queensland Guineas. Um, mm. Maybe he got to that stakes level just a little bit too quick for him. But it was it was really good to see him charging home over the thirteen hundred first up this preparation, and he just just gives me the impression that he's in for a really good uh, really good time. Um, we'll run him next week, and that's going to give us a good indication as to whether that was just uh, one of those fresh runs that maybe overrated him or, or whether he is. But my gut says that he's, you know, hopefully now that little bit older, a little bit more mature, and um, we can get him back to a stakes win somewhere. One of your favourites was Var Pensiero, won a Group 3 San Domenico, won a Group 3 Run to the Rose, ridden by the late Nathan Berry. Yeah, probably always going to hold a, a special place. Um, for me and, and all our all our staff, uh, we'd sort of started to develop a relationship with Nathan at the time. As far as riding our horses, he, he was a he was a jockey with a stack of ability um, and, and had everything before him. And unfortunately, was taken taken from us way too soon. But his association with um, with that horse was terrific. And I think from memory, it might have been his first. Um, group win so uh mm. like i said very special um and the horse will, will it, it you know you need those sort of horses in, in stables of of our size um mm. especially winning races like that they're yeah they're genuine two-year-old races and mm. for him to show you know good speed in, in those races and beat horses that have gone on to to stand at stud um at, at you know, high price stallion fees. He stands down at Wagga at the moment and probably doesn't get anywhere near the book he should, but, you know, a- another really nice horse to come through the yard. My special guest is Warwick Farm trainer Jason Coyle. Jason, I'll get you to stand by for a moment. We're going to clear a commitment on the podcast back after this. The sale that has produced the likes of the Autumn Sun, Merchant Navy, Estajard, Russian Revolution, Moss Fun, Pinot and Flying Artie in recent years has again attracted a stunning catalogue for 2019. The Australian Easter Yearling Sale catalogue is now available online and its depth and quality is again without peer in the Southern Hemisphere's Yearling Sale season. Among this year's spectacular Easter catalogue of 450 yearlings are 39 siblings to Group 1 winners like the Autumn Sun, Merchant Navy, Sunlight, Lankan Rupee, Brazen Bow, Shulls, Faulkner, Star Spangled Banner, Catchy, Dundeal, I Victory, Lucky Bubbles, Shooting to Win, She Will Reign, Seamus Award and Pino. 
There is also the progeny of 34 Group 1 winning mares such as Hasna, River Dove, Pear Tart, Our Egyptian Rain, Rostova, Steps in Time, Brazilian Pulse, Provocative, Headway and Dizel. Super Stallion Schnitzel is the leading sire with 37 entries while the ill-fated Sebring has 33. Fastnet Rock 31, I Am Invincible 31, there are 25 Vancouver's, 22 by Reduce Choice, 21 by Zoo Star, 19 by Medagliadoro, 19 by Pride of Dubai, So You Think has 18 in the catalogue and they round out the top 10. There is, as always, a strong international flavour with yearlings by the likes of Deep Impact, Frankel, Lord Canaloa, Tappet and Harbinger also catalogued. The 2019 Inglis Easter Yearling Sale is just bursting with quality. Look for the catalogue online. Speaking with Jason Coyle, Siren's Fury's been a very nice mare. Five wins. She won that Dark Jewel Classic at Scone, which is a Group 3. Had a couple of runs back recently. Is she on track? Yeah, I think so. Uh, stack of ability. Um, she was super last preparation. Uh, she she won at Hawkesbury, the Saturday standalone meeting, and then went up and won the Dark, dark Jewel, like you said. Probably a little bit unlucky up in Queensland. Didn't get beat far in the, uh, the Tiara, the Group 1 up there. Uh, she's I definitely think she's got that ability when things go her way. Probably a racing pattern brings her undone a little, just getting back and, and needing things to pan out for her. But uh, she seems to be in good order. Uh, she ran home really well last week, finished next to a horse called Natoya, who uh, just absolutely brained them yesterday at, at Randwick. So yeah. I think the form through the race will be strong enough to uh, to move through this carnival. And, look, if we have no luck this carnival, I'm sure um, Queensland – Queensland winter's waiting for us again. Excited Prince was nowhere near the best horse you've ever trained and he didn't win all that often either. But I know he had a special place in your heart. He was honest and ran a lot of placings and he was owned by your partner, Amy Double. So you were under a bit of pressure. Oh, the most pressure you'll ever see. Um, <laughs> no, he was um, he was terrific. He was, a, he was a horse we purchased up at Scone. Um it wasn't the soundest horse in the world, but when you got him to the races, he, he always tried hard. Very rarely did he let us down. And I think from memory, even we even started him in a in a Cameron or a, or a Newmarket one day at um, up at Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Uh, nowhere near the strongest running of the race, that's for sure. And yeah, you know, he's only been beaten two lengths, so it was a horse that we we had a lot of time for and. He took a lot of time out of our day because of mm. trying to patch him up a lot of, um, <laughs> uh, you know, after yeah. runs and, and after gallops and that sort of thing. So, mm. um, no, really enjoyed racing him and he's retired now. Um, he's found a nice home and Good. Uh, he'll enjoy the rest of his years. Well, what a lovely little mare was Memes. 27 starts, six wins, four seconds, four thirds, 409,000. And you talk about the horses for courses theory, Jason. She loved Randwick. She won four times at headquarters. Yeah, I, uh, she, she was fantastic. Uh, probably didn't expect it. We, we took nine or ten starts, I think, to, to break her maiden. 
Mm. Um, she was always honest, and I thought, well, if we can pick up a couple of races with this little mare, we'll be doing well. And next thing you know, uh, as mares can do, she just hit this purple patch. She mm. she was aided by a few softer tracks at Ramwick and um, young Rachel King um, at the time, an apprentice. Yeah. They just formed a bond that uh, we didn't need to break. She just kept going out and giving 110%. So really, really good run for the stable at the time. And once again, um, long-time supporters um, of mine, uh, Baden Brown and Geraldine, they, they've mm. supported me for a long time with a lot of horses. So it, it was great to get that little mare going so well. Slightly Sweet was one of your all-time favourites, winner of five races, but she won a couple of listed, or she won, I think, one listed, I beg your pardon, and two group threes. She did a lovely job. Yeah, she she was a super mare, and uh, talking of owners, we've got the Esplins and Tartan Field, who, you know, for for a long while now, they've supported me with you know, young horses every year, and terrific breeders, um, they they breed probably a little little obscure to, to your commercial breeders because they're happy to retain and race, which is a, mm. a massive bonus for me. Yeah. Um, and that mare, she, she was fantastic. She uh, and I got beat probably two, I think two and a half lengths in a binary at Group 1 level. Yeah. Um, Claim to fame, she beat home Winx one day at Warwick Farm. From, but you've dined out breeders. on that a few times, have you? Oh, I watched that replay <laughs> a few times. Don't worry about that. Um, but yeah, she, she she was a terrific mare for a long time. She went out of mm. form there for, as mares once again can do. Uh, she was out of yeah. form there for twelve months until we had a, a jockey change. We uh, put a set of blinkers on her, and Jess Taylor took the ride. And yeah, you know she come and she come and had a really good winter there. Um, you know at Rose Hill and, and knocked off mm. another stakes race at listed level. Uh, yeah. she's. She's uh, she did a great job for the stable, and I believe she's uh, she's at stud. Um, I think she might be in fold a done deal yeah. from memory. So won't do her any harm. Won't do her any harm at all, and, mm. and she's a type of mare I think that might be able to produce a good horse. She she was, mm. she raced with a lot of heart, and yeah. I like to see that in uh, in broodmares. That's slightly sweet. Uh, Jason was paying tribute to there. Now you've got a maiden filly in the place, a three-year-old maiden by the name of River Bird. She's by Epaulette. Um, she's run four seconds so far and wasn't very far away in the, a race like the Gosford Guineas. You'd wonder how she's still a maiden, Jason. Yeah, I, uh, I'm unsure how she's still a maiden. Um, desperately unlucky at Canterbury a couple of times. So, mm. you know, all things being equal, she probably shouldn't be, shouldn't be a maiden. Yeah. Um, Gosford Guineas uh, might have just come to the end of it at that stage, but once again, raced really well. She's already a stakes place filly, and um, I'm sure once she gets that nose across the line, I, I think there are nice things to come for her. Good. All right. We'll make a note of that. That's River Bird. Now, one of your favourites, White Moss, is a five-year-old now, a grey mare. She's only had 15 starts. She's won six of them. She won a Group 3 at Randwick. And at her very last start, she won the Group 2 Millie Fox at Rose Hill Gardens, and she really found the line for Cathy O'Hara. Now, I noticed, Jason, looking at her form, uh, there are long gaps between most of her races. She's obviously had a few nigglies, has she? Yeah, um, not overly. She's just always been a mare that hasn't been able to 
maintain a, a great deal of condition. She's she's very she was a very slow maturer. Um, mm. Once again, to the to the Esplan's credit, um, they're happy to take a lot of time with their horses. They they they're, they're not in a rush to to have them at the races. They they're not in a rush to have them in in the broodmare barn. So. They're more than happy to, um, you know, spell a horse if needed. And I thought it was a masterstroke, you know, all credit to them. After Queensland, where she was really disappointing, they didn't even think about trying to get her back too early. They just dumped her in a paddock and waited until mm. she was ready to come back. Um, I was probably a little bit, uh, had a bit more of an itchy trigger finger. I, I, I like having the good horses in work and yeah. I was ready for her to come back in, but they gave her that extra bit of time and I, I think mm. it's paying paying dividends this preparation she's mm. she's probably the most physically she's the most impressive i think i've ever seen her looking mm-hmm. and uh i just hope she can convert at, at you know she's already converted at that group two level but uh, i think given the the strength of that lead up win uh, she might be a genuine hope in uh, in the coolmore next week mm, gee and at very good odds for our punting friends yeah look uh, she was totally forgotten her trials were were outstanding this preparation and she uh she bungled the start first up there at warwick farm but i thought the the run itself was was full of credit and as they do they, they always seem to improve off a first up mm. um a first up run for from our stable so without without being over overly bullish i was mm. i was confident she'd run well the other day and and thought the market probably just just got one wrong there. So, yeah. look, hopefully she can, like I said, can convert um, and she can continue that form. But I'm really happy with how she's going and she's she's definitely flying the flag at the moment. Jason, it's very clear that you have great regard for the talents and the communicative skills of a handful of female jockeys in Sydney who get on so well with your horses. You've spoken about Cathy O'Hara, who'll ride White Moss in the Coolmore Classic a race she's already won for Ron Quinton a few seasons ago. Uh, Rachel King, you've mentioned, who won four at Randwick on memes. Beautiful rider, Rachel King, uh, already uh, the winner of a Group 1 on uh, Maid of Honour for Mark Newnham last uh, autumn, now or last spring, rather. And you've mentioned Jess Taylor. Now, she's a rapidly improving kid who rode two winners at that big Goulburn meeting the other day, Jason. I happened to see them on Sky Racing, and doesn't she hunt one to the line strongly? She's a she's a very strong rider. She's probably one of the more underrated riders, as I've spoken about before. And, you know, it's a competitive uh, landscape um, in Sydney, um, and I think a lot of riders probably go through without being noticed too much, but... I think she's easily up there as far as reading a race and, and vigour and, and aggressiveness. Um, Jess, Jess does a great job for me. And mm. like you said, a, a double the other day at that feature meeting at Goulburn uh, on Saturday. And she she definitely rides her fair share of winners. There's, um, there's no uh, no knock on, on having Jess on, be it in a, mm. in a stakes race, which she's won for us, won for the stable previously. And, um, or she's more than happy to go down to those country meetings and yeah. and get horses across the line for you. Mm. You're a great fan of Jason Collett, who's ridden a number of winners for you, and he's never been in better form. He's riding winners everywhere at the moment. No, Jason's a lovely rider. He's, uh, he he suits, suits a lot of my horses who, who I like to see relax and, 
Um, you know, those horses can get a little bit aggressive. I think he's very good to switch them off and, and give them that right run off the speed. And, you know, not to say he's not good across the board, but um, we've had a lot of success with those sort of horses and I'm sure he'll continue to have success in mm. Sydney. I know what you mean by that, Jason, uh, the fact that, uh, you know, horses look like they're going to charge with him and then 50 metres later on he's got them to come back and relax a bit and there was a classic example at Randwick on Saturday when he rode that filly for David Pfeiffer, Prophet's Thumb. Uh, she looked like she was going to charge a bit early in the race but he soon had her relaxed and you saw the, what the difference it made. That, that's probably the perfect um, perfect example of it. it. To me, that's you, you can do that. You you look at a horse that can be a little bit too aggressive in their races, and all of a sudden, like you said, a few strides later, they've they've switched off off the back of that tempo, and it gives them every chance to to just monster the line. And mm. you know, more often than not, I think he's going to make the right decisions from the four hundred and mm. and get that horse home. So. Uh, Jason, obviously one of our better riders in Sydney. There's a hard-working jockey over Hawkesbury Way that you use from time to time. I know you've got uh, a lot of regard for his ability and I refer to Robbie Brewer. And your opinion is shared by many trainers, Jason. Yeah, he's a... To start with, he's a, he's a terrific, terrific person and, and I, I'd count as a, a friend, so... Um, whenever I can get him on something um, with a chance, I, I like to try and get him on. Uh, he's probably because he's such a good horseman, probably brings him undone a little bit because he's also on some of the horses that aren't the nicest to ride. So, mm. uh, like you said, he's, he's a really hard-working um, jockey, and he, he's had a few knocks over the over his since he's been an apprentice and since I've known him. But you know, he, he always pops up there at, at country and provincial meetings, riding winners and. Um, yeah, you know, like I said, whenever I can get him on something um, that is normally above fifty-six kilos, yeah. um, uh, we we try and get him uh, give him those opportunities. And he's the first he's the first bloke too. If, if I'm short a rider and I, mm. I call and say, is there any chance you can come and jump on a few? He's uh, mm. he's normally more than accommodating. Isn't that good? Well, you've got four or five permanent work riders, including your long-term partner, Amy Double. Now, I'll be very interested to hear how you answer this question. Is Amy a good judge? <laughs> um, you've, you've just put me into a corner and there's nowhere I can go with this one. Um, She's obviously a good judge of a bloke. Oh, has to be, has to be. Look, um, <laughs> look, look I, I, take, I, I take a lot of regard for, for what uh, Amy says about a horse. It's... It, I don't jump on their backs, and you've got to take what you what you can out of what your work riders are telling you. Um, she she rides some of our better horses in the yard, and, and uh, she, she's very good at what she does, and, and she gives good feedback. So just to try and answer your question without getting in any trouble, I'm just going to have to go with yes. <laughs> well, Jason, life has been a roller coaster so far for you, but you've steadied the ship, and you're focused on a career that you absolutely love. And I hope that special horse walks through the gate for you one day soon. I uh, hope you're right. Uh, hopefully it's already sitting there in the barn and we just haven't quite uncovered it yet. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, racing's a, a really funny game. One day you, you think you're going no good and, you know, horses aren't running out to take expectation. And uh, like you said, the next thing you know, a horse walks into the... Uh, 
into the barn like a like a takeover target or any one of those many stories um you know if something like that steps in it just just turns everything around and, and changes what you're doing so you know we're enjoying how we're going at the moment and hopefully we just uh, keep riding that wave keep up the good work mate and it's been a delight having you on the podcast thanks for joining us thanks john absolute pleasure that was Jason Coyle, and this podcast was produced by Supernova Sound. The sale that has produced the likes of the Autumn Sun, Merchant Navy, Estajab, Russian Revolution, Moss Fun, Pinot, and Flying Artie in recent years has again attracted a stunning catalogue for 2019. The Australian Easter Yearling Sale catalogue is now available online and its depth and quality is again without peer in the Southern Hemisphere's yearling sales season. Among this year's spectacular Easter catalogue of 450 yearlings are 39 siblings to Group 1 winners like the Autumn Sun, Merchant Navy, Sunlight, Lankan Rupee, Brazen Bow, Shulls, Faulkner, Star Spangled Banner, Catchy, Dundeal, I Victory, Lucky Bubbles, Shooting to Win, She Will Reign, Seamus Award and Pino. There is also the progeny of 34 Group 1 winning mares such as Hasna, River Dove, Pear Tart, Our Egyptian Rain, Rostova, Steps in Time, Brazilian Pulse, Provocative, Headway and Dizel. Super Stallion Schnitzel is the leading sire with 37 entries while the ill-fated Sebring has 33. Fastnet Rock 31, I Am Invincible 31, there are 25 Vancouver's, 22 by Reduce Choice, 21 by Zoo Star, 19 by Medagliadoro, 19 by Pride of Dubai, So You Think has 18 in the catalogue and they round out the top 10. There is, as always, a strong international flavour with yearlings by the likes of Deep Impact, Frankel, Lord Canaloa, Tappet and Harbinger also catalogued. The 2019 English Easter Yearling Sale is just bursting with quality. Look for the catalogue online. <laughs>